You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon, and I'm super excited to welcome back on the program Cruzy McCalligan. Cruz, it's great to see you. How are you doing? Kung Hei Fat Choi. It's the first time I'm talking to you after the new year. Of course. Kung Hei Fat Choi. How are you doing? Are you are you ready for the year of the metal ox? Oh yes, I think we'll be ready for the for the year of the squeamish penguin after last year, wouldn't we? Really, it doesn't really matter. So anyway, funny. Um, I'm just trying to get okay, the Facebook so, to, to work. So please, our listeners, bear with us. And I might need to do another intro in the middle of, of, of the chat. So I, I apologize for that unless I can get it working round about now. I, and I think the stars may be aligning with us. So I think on, in about... Come on, come on, come on. And we are live well, yes, we Whee! are live on Facebook. Hello. Hello. <laughs> well, welcome back to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, and Cruzy McCalligan for our midweek audio column. How are you doing, Cruz? Hi. <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. I'm really good. It's wonderful to see you again. I love your festive backdrop for those of you watching on. I like it. I like it. Mine's not as festive. I went with a more... Um, we're talking about dragons today. And I did go with a more, um, I would say, I mean, I don't know, fairy tale depiction of a dragon as my backdrop it's very real like him it's very realistic it's very lifelike yeah, i've, I've never nice. seen a, a bit, dragon a before fan art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well I, I wanted to talk about dragons today i know we recently talked about dinosaurs which are not the same because they existed but um i do find dragons quite fascinating and especially with um just having the lunar new year obviously dragons are everywhere and we're talking about them all the time um, and I wanted to chat about them a bit today because they are quite fascinating, considering they're mythological. They don't exist, right? But the fact is that um, they're one of the most popular and enduring of the world's mythological creatures. Um, dragon tales can be found in so many cultures, from the Americas to Europe to India, obviously China. Um, and they have a really long and rich history in many forms. And we continue to have dragons in our books, films, television shows. You know, I mean, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but I know there were lots of dragons in Game of Thrones. There were dragons in Harry Potter. There was, you know, we, we do find um, when we think about dragons, they, oh, there's something really captivating and fascinating about them. And even today, we still include dragons in our in our TV, you know, in our in our entertainment. Um, it's not entirely clear where the first stories of dragons kind of came from dragon but ball huge fly oh no <laughs> dragon balls <laughs> exactly how to train your dragon there's like a lot of dragons um but flying serpents have been described as early as um the age of the ancient greeks and the sumerians so uh, much of throughout much of history dragons were thought of being like um kind of like any other mythical animal really you know they're sometimes useful and protective other times they're harmful and dangerous i'm excited to chat to you in a little while when we get to the divide between western cultures and eastern cultures and how they perceive the dragon because that's super interesting um but of course what's really interesting is um they weren't always such a negative thing um but of course um when there was when uh, christianity started to spread across the world dragons took on this decidedly sinister interpretation and even became came to represent satan um so in, oh, in really that way, is that the western interpretation because yeah. in chinese interpret dragon yeah. is very good and very lucky Exactly. So this this is what's really interesting. So even though, so there's a lot of, let's start with our idea of a dragon, because obviously I've got this picture of a dragon behind me on my background today, but that's one interpretation. It doesn't look like the Chinese dragons we see in our decorations. And a lot of the Chinese 
um, the, the, you know, the Chinese dragon, traditional dragons we see differ from one another as well. They're not all the same. You know, I mean, I think um, we, there's a lot of diversity in how we think about a dragon. Um, most people can probably easily picture a dragon, right? If you, I mean, my children can tell you what a dragon is from many different photos and many different kinds of things of what a dragon is, whether it's a happy looking dragon or a scary looking dragon, right? So there's a lot of different ideas around them. Some have wings, some don't have wings. Some speak or breathe fire, some don't. Some are only a few feet long. Some span miles and miles and miles and they're enormous, enormous, enormous dragons. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, some live in mountains, some live in caves, some live with treasure. Like there's such a lot of diversity in this fake creature, that we, you know, which is incredible. Um, a folklorist called Carol Rose discussed this idea and she said, um, you know, dragons have composite features of many other beasts. So they may have like the head of an elephant um, in India or, you know, they may have a lion or a bird of prey in the Middle East or they might have numerous heads like a multi-headed snake or something like that and their colors range a lot as well they can be you know like i think of a chinese traditional dragon can use usually quite colorful there'd be some red on there but there's lots of color and texture and different elements and otherwise they can be just huge big gray hulking things you know in in movies and films so there's lots of different ways to imagine imagine um a, a dragon and there's a wide variety. We have things like, you know, giant snakes and gargoyles and all of these things. You know, are they dragons? Are they not? There's kind of a big umbrella that these things come under. But of course, they still capture our imaginations and they still have interesting kind of different personalities like, you know, um, if you think about some kind of like famous dragons, of course, there's a dragon from um, uh, from The Hobbit or from J.R. Uh, from Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. That's what I'm thinking of, Lord of the Rings. It's a failure as a as a New Zealander that I forgot the name of that movie franchise and book series. Um, but you've got that, you know, Smorg, the dragon Smorg, which I, you know, I found out the reason, the name, the reason behind that name means to squeeze through a small hole. I couldn't really understand why that's the dragon's name. Anyway. To escape, maybe is, just to squeeze through the small hole to escape. Yeah, maybe so that, that's what it is. You have to get escape from it. From the, Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Um, the word dragon itself comes from the ancient Greek word draconta, which means to watch. Um, and that suggests, and this is obviously from the more Western idea of dragons, suggesting that dragons as beasts were guarding treasure, so such as mountains of old coins or gems or your standard smog from the lord of the rings dragon right he was you know a big he had a big hoard of treasure um but this it doesn't really make sense because a creature as powerful as a dragon doesn't need to pay for anything it doesn't have any reason to have treasure it doesn't need bartering power it's huge and ferocious right so that's what's kind of interesting it's more of like a symbolic treasure um you know that it's not really about the dragon caring about the treasure but more about a reward for the those brave enough to vanquish something evil so there's like a lot of heavy thick layers of metaphor and symbolism when we think about dragons um they're one of the few monsters cast in mythology which are primarily there to be slain. No one tries to befriend a dragon. No one tries to, you know, like, you know what I mean? They're really there to kill. You have to just kill it, which is quite a, a horrific idea, really, when we think about it. Um, and they don't simply exist for their own sake. They exist largely as a foil for bold adventurers. You know, again, that symbolism coming across, um, which is funny because you think about other mythical things like you've got like elves and fairies and stuff like that. I mean, they're 
they're pretty mischievous and a lot of uh, fairy tales and folklore, but they're not really there to be combative. You know what I mean? You don't have to fight a fairy, you know, so <laughs> a dragon's quite interesting in, in that way. Um, but interestingly, so the Christian church created legends of righteousness and godly saints battling and vanquishing Satan in the form of dragons. Um, and the most celebrated of these was St. George the Dragon Slayer, who in legend comes upon a town that's being threatened by a terrible dragon. And he rescues a fair maiden, protects himself with the sign of the cross, and then slays the beast. And because the town citizens were like incredibly impressed by all of St. George's work, they immediately convert to Christianity, right? So um, so that's really interesting. Then you have um, veteran um, kind of, um, and then you, yeah, so, so vanquishing a dragon wasn't just an important career opportunity for knights and saints and things like, and, and hobbits. Um, but according to the legend, it was also a way to raise armies. So they said that, um, and you may have heard this before, um, that the use of dragon's teeth providing a simple method of expanding the armed forces of a country um, and they we have this in 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 mythology um that cadmus the king of thebes planted dragon's teeth and from the ground sprouted these soldiers um you know and that was that was an incredible so that's why you wanted to vanquish a dragon because you needed his teeth to grow your armies um which is quite amazing um so yes um so yes, yeah, so of course, uh, scholars believe that the, the fire breathing element, because there's a big fire breathing element with dragons, right? There's a lot of, they breathe fire. Like the mechanics have never really been worked out. How biological Imaginary fire <laughs> by this imaginary yeah, animal. <laughs> yes, um, but this came from medieval depictions of the mouth of hell. Um, and so, you know, like the Dutch painter Hieronymus Bosch, amongst others, he also, um, this entrance to hell was often depicted as a monster's actual literal mouth, a big burning mouth. Um, and this um, and this was kind of like, you know, these these flumes of smoke and flames coming out as well. Um, and if no one believes in it, if one doesn't just believe in the literal existence of hell, but also the literal existence of dragons as satanic, it makes kind of it makes sense. So if you were kind of like, oh, yeah, sure, give me all the crazy stuff. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. This wouldn't have been too much of a leap. So that's why a lot of people tended to believe in them. Um, but of course, uh, what's interesting is that even the sort of medieval theology aside, few people today really believe in the literal existence of a dragon, which is really interesting. So you may say like some people may believe in Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, right? And you'd be like, okay, all right, like I'm not there with you, but I can see how you put the dots together to get to that place. You know what I mean? But dragons, we don't tend to feel that way um, because, you know, in the modern age of satellite imagery and smartphones, it's probably plausible to think if there was one, we would have seen it. You know, like all the places it could be, we would find it. Someone so would no have a really sighting of it, it already, like Loch Ness, for example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yes, yeah, so what's interesting, but now, however, um, only a few centuries ago, rumors of dragons were kind of confirmed by eyewitness accounts from sailors who were returning from Indonesia and said that they had encountered dragons. They had, of course, encountered dragons, but they had encountered Komodo dragons, that type of monitor lizard, you know, um, that, uh, you know, can be up to 10 feet long. They're very, very long. And um, they're aggressive and they're deadly because they're venomous. So they can take down huge things. So um, in a weird way, there was some kind of like that was a myth that really got spread by these Indonesian sailors. 
But Western scientists only verified the existence of the Komodo dragon around 1910. And these stories have been circulating well, well in advance of that. Um, but dragons, in one form or another, have been around for millennia in some way. Um, it's an incredibly important symbol. And it's what you're saying. What's really interesting is here in Hong Kong and in China, what, uh, what a dragon symbolizes and represents. Um, it comes in lots of different forms as well. So around... Um, 2000 years ago, the philosopher Wang Fu described the dragon as being like a combination of several animals. He was like, you know, it could be a bit like a fish, a bit like a turtle, a bit like a snake. Um, there was also said that, um, you know, that children who are born in the year of the dragon, that that's a positive thing. Um, I was born in the year of the dragon, so I like to think of that as a positive as opposed to referring to myself as a dragon lady, as I often do as a wife and mother. <laughs> I would say my wife and mother persona is dragon lady, but now I can say, well, I'm in a very desirable zodiac year, to be honest. Um, and it's and not it just the that, year. You know, According to the Feng Shui Master Head, we have different zodiac animals that govern the hour you were born, the day that you were born, the month that you're born, and really? the year. Yeah, so you don't have to just look at the year that you were born to, to tell you your luck because there are other elements, that the different zodiac animals in the different um, parts of your birth chart. So if it's, a oh, favor wow. if it's not such a favorable year, don't worry because it's just one bit of your birth chart, your it's other just birth. It's one of them. There exactly. we go. There we go. Yeah. It's, it's, all the details... The details are in the admin aren't they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is um but yes yeah, so it, it it's it is really interesting so of course and um, we have things like um the dragon boat festival obviously which is obviously these are all like positive things we like we like dragons i mean people used to say that um you know emperors used to say that they were they were descended from dragons that used to be that you were credited um you know you were credited with being in, if you were descended from a dragon which i don't really think people thought through you know what I mean? Like, I guess it was in an age where people weren't pretty like, you know, they didn't really have the birds and the bees discussion. So like, it was pretty easy to say my great great grandpa was a dragon without really thinking about the biology of that. But yeah, so it's really, really interesting. And of course, um, dragons uh, tend to protect places. So we like to see places in our landscapes that look like dragons. Of course, we have here in Hong Kong, you know, like in Kowloon, it is, you know, nine dragons. That's what Gaolong mean, means right yes. it's nine dragons we have dragons back hike we have we have dragons all over the place um and that our landscapes resemble a dragon and those dragons are there to help us and watch over us and protect us we're not terrified of them we're not scared of living next to them they're part of our landscape which i find super super interesting um so yeah so that's quite i think that's a pretty interesting thing in terms of what they symbolize they also symbolize things like wealth power and leadership here um whereas you know in other in other places where you have that divide between east and west um they are this thing to be slain and they're not a they're not a positive and they're not a you know that you know the idea is that you conquer those those dragons and they're not a symbol of leadership they're a symbol of your leadership if you're able to vanquish it and i was like i feel like there's some east west cultural things here with how we we see our leaders or respect people in leadership i'm like it's almost like a bit of tall poppy syndrome you know like that you know like if you're the if you're the dragon you know like you know everyone has to cut you down it's <laughs> like everyone else to say oh yeah he's the dragon he's doing a great job she's doing a great she's a dragon you know like it's quite it's quite an interesting little um cultural nuance there um but it is super interesting um and that they do have all these different kinds of um meanings as well um since 
In the 600s AD, the red dragon has been a symbol of Wales, the country Wales, of course, the red dragon. Um, and historically, the greatest Welsh warriors were dubbed Pendragon, meaning dragon head or leader. So they were like a little outpost where they were like pretty into the dragon. Um, but um, so that's 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 quite interesting as well. Um, but even in, in Eastern cultures, uh, dragons can be depicted as being kind and wise and benevolent, which is really interesting as well. Whereas in Western cultures, they are more fire breathing evil and symbolic of the battle between good and evil. So it's not like a creature to embody the values of. It's something to, as I mentioned, to slay. Um, uh, there's also um, things that we, we have like different kind of ways that we talk about where a dragon comes from and legends of origins are super interesting um i immediately when i was thinking about this i was like i wonder why people do believe in dragons and i thought well if anyone ever stumbled across a dinosaur bone right <laughs> and thought anyone, it was a dragon primitive man well you'd be like your mind would be blown right so you could easily misinterpret them as the remains of dragons um a, a chinese historian from the fourth century BC called Chang um, Chang Chu mislabeled such a this fossil as a dragon fossil when it was a dinosaur fossil. Um, other things that could be mistaken as dragons: the Nile crocodile. Now this was native to sub-Saharan Africa, and they have um, they they would actually swim all the way across to like the Mediterranean. They could be found in Italy and Greece, you know, back in the day. Um, and they were among like the largest crocodile species. So you can imagine this kind of like snaking crocodile in the water, how people could think of a dragon. Um, the goanna, which is a monitor lizard found in Australia, is very, very large. It has razor sharp teeth and claws um, and again produces a venom. So that could, you know, in Australia, at least that animal could have been responsible for the dragon myth. Whales. The, the 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 sea sea living mammal. Um, I wasn't going to say fish because it's not a fish. <laughs> it's um, a mammal. But those, yeah. you know, they're they're megafauna. And if you encountered a whale bone, you'd have no idea it came from a whale that lives in the water. Um, and they were massive, so you just assume they'd be predatory because they were so big. And for so much of human history, nobody was able to go underneath the water. So it was very unlikely you're going to see an animal which spends ninety percent of its time underneath the water that's a really great they point Cruz, because we often think about dragons just being land animals as sort of fly over the cliffs and fly over the seas i wonder if they are sort of amphibious i wonder if they can survive in the water i don't well maybe Nori. Yeah. you can write that movie <laughs> i'll give you the rights to it um, but one of the most interesting um origin legends is actually just the human brain um, the, the most fascinating explanation um, is, is just the fact that our brains conjure up this kind of stuff. Um, there's an anthropologist called David E. Jones who argues the belief in dragons is so widespread among ancient cultures because evolution embedded an innate fear of predators in our mind. So just as monkeys have been shown to exhibit a fear of snakes and cats, eat large cats, even though they've never seen a snake or a large cat before, um, that this particular anthropologist hypothesizes that the, the, the trait of fearing large predators such as pythons or birds of prey or elephants has been, se has been selected for in hominids, which in ourselves. So in recent times, he argues that these um, universal fears may have frequently combined in folklore and created the of a dragon because a fear of snakes is very common a fear of like scary animals it's like it's part of our evolution to be scared of those things because once upon a time they did kill us and eat us so there is something to, to be said for that
So that's kind of, I've always thought that was kind of interesting. I have quite a few dragon quotes today, actually. Before you get to the quotes, Cruz, um, as I mentioned, we are on Facebook and and David has very kindly gotten in touch and said, good afternoon, everyone from Melbourne. And he says, uh, you have dragon spaces in buildings in Hong Kong. And he also adds, my parents were Scottish growing up as a child. They would at certain times of the year take us on a dragon egg hunt to find dragon eggs. That's really cool. That sounds like fun. And I forwarded you a picture uh, from David um, and it says cheers to Cruz and that's very thoughtful and I think it's that was very kind thanks David Thank you for listening. Yes. Um, anyway, from so on to some, some dragon quotes. Um, the poet W.H. Auden, famous as a war poet, said, A poet can write about a man slaying a dragon, but not about a man pushing a button that releases a bomb. It's quite heavy. Um, <laughs> Very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, pretty heavy. Um, William Shakespeare in writing King Lear said, Come not between the dragon and his wrath. Another one. Um, Neil Gaiman, in writing the book Coraline, said, fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. That's, again, one of those ideas of, obviously, you know, overcoming that fear and that symbolism. Friedrich Nietzsche, I didn't know he was going to throw his his hat on the dragon ring, but he said, he who fights too long against dragons becomes a dragon himself. And if you gaze too long into the abyss, the abyss will gaze into you. Wow. So I think that was a kind of, maybe that was a thing about like, why are we going after everything to to hunt and kill? It's not worth it. Um, C.S. Lewis um, wrote in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, sleeping on a dragon's hoard with greedy dragonish thoughts in his heart, he had become a dragon himself. Wow. So that's also that's also like yeah, that again one. that symbolism like that coming through. And these are like a lot of these are a lot of these are uh, um, thinkers and uh, authors. Thinkers and people exactly they do like that symbolism. I mean it does it's 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 a symbol that keeps giving really, isn't it? Um and J.R.R. Tolkien has been accredited uh, with saying speak politely to an enraged dragon as a parent, which is probably good advice really for being honest um of course uh, in um i don't have i can't say these things in chinese because i'm unfortunately my cantonese is appalling and i apologize but um i can tell you the english translations of quite a few um chinese proverbs and idioms that have dragon in them mm. um that uh that you say that there is literally a fight between a dragon and a tiger saying uh, you know a struggle between two equally matched forces saying someone is a dragon among men um saying someone is a group of dragons but no leader which is refers to a group that needs a leader um to to wish your son becomes a dragon refers to uh, parents hoping for their kids to succeed to wish your son becomes a dragon oh and And, and the um, counterpart of that is wishing your daughter to be a phoenix that's often the counterpart Really? yeah so for your sons to be a dragon and for your daughters to be phoenixes is the because I've often heard that from Thank my grandma. Thank you, Noreen. Yes. That's fantastic. Um, and then the other one, which is um, which is paint the dragon dot the eyes, which means adding the finishing touch to something, as of course in the symbolism of Hong Kong, which has just happened over Chinese New Year, you paint the dragon's eyes. 
That's right. Oh, yeah. Cruzy, thank you so much for your dragons. wonderful sharing. <laughs> I learned so much from you, as our listeners did as well. Thank you so much once again for your great sharing on dragons, the mythical creature that may or may not exist. No, I don't think it does, but <laughs> thank you so much for your time today, Cruz. <laughs> Kunghei Fatra to you again. And a quick look at the weather forecast for this afternoon and tonight. Dry and fine, uh, moderate fresh to northerly winds. The outlook windy and dry with cool mornings in the next couple of days. Warm during the day over the weekend and early next week with rather warm weather next week. It's uh, 24 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is at 58%. Thanks for tuning in.